what these cooks can do in restricted space with limited equipment on a time clock facing a deadline and trying to become a champion pretty phenomenal you're listening to the rumalicious podcast where we talk about travel food health entertainment and everything in between your host is malika bowling find articles and reviews at rumalicious.com don't forget to subscribe so you never miss an episode here's malika bowling Today, we are talking with Mike McLeod, founder and CEO of the World Food Championships. This is an international culinary competition that brings together professional and amateur cooks. Mike, thanks for being on the podcast today with us and taking time out of your busy schedule. My pleasure, Malika. For those of us listening or people listening to the podcast, can you give us a more in-depth explanation of what the World Food Championships is? Yes, and this is always the, the hardest question uh, because it's like jamming uh, five, six professional sports into one. And um, the best way I've always been able to to get people to understand it, it's it's like March Madness uh, that starts out with a bunch of teams and then goes to the Final Four. Uh, uh-huh. Only uh, we end up with with ten finalists, and then we have. Uh, this Super Bowl moment uh, that we call the final table. And those 10 category champions who have worked their way through uh, the vertical of choice, whether it's barbecue, chili, burger, sandwich, seafood, chef, etc., after having beaten out 20, no, 39 other champions, there's 40 champions per category, they then get to, to revel in the fact that they're the uh, world seafood champion. Uh, they have a $10,000 check as a result. But then they have to prepare for this final table moment where they have a chance to win $100,000. So mm-hmm. from a structural standpoint, that's what it is. It, it, it's an invitation to champions of many other events throughout the world and a platform for those champions to come together, uh, compete against one another, uh, make a lot of friends along the way, uh, test their skills, answer a lot of challenges in the process, and hopefully come out as an elevated champion. And what, what do I mean by elevated? Well, there's there's money involved, big prize purse. We have over $350,000 up for grabs. Um, wow. There are major brands affiliated mm-hmm. who are constantly looking for brand ambassadors. Uh, we've been on... Uh, six networks, TV networks, with uh, various shows. So there's always some kind of TV celebrity opportunity coming out of it. So it's it's really a great way for culinary talented uh, cooks, whether they're professional or, or amateur, to really prove their stuff and hopefully take their love and their passion to the next level. And we call that um, food TV on steroids. Um, because there's no do-overs, you, mm-hmm. you you either perform and turn in on time, or you get disqualified. Uh, but in the process, you, you you really go through uh, the heat of the kitchen. Uh, you get a chance to prove yourself on a level playing field, no matter what your background is. And um, uh, hopefully, you get to come out as a champion of a category, and then go to our final table. So, 
that's the World Food Championships. That's about as concise as I can make it. I, one thing that really stood out about it that I remember is that you don't have to come from a culinary background. Like you don't have to be somebody who's cooked in all these restaurants or have gone through formal training. It's like you could be somebody who is a home cook, right, and you could enter the World Food Championships? Absolutely, and, and that's very important to our mission. Um, we, we believe, I believe, um, and, and many of our ambassadors and food champs believe that the culinary industry in and of itself um, it is really uh, underappreciated. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we see celebrity chefs. We watch food TV all the time, but 95% of the individuals who are making food happen in a restaurant are not celebrated, whether it's a line cook, it's an up-and-coming chef, an executive chef, a, a chef owner, um, home cook who who's just known for a phenomenal uh, strawberry pie or some uh, fantastic um, slow-cooked um, meat dish or something. You know, there's so many people in, in this passionate industry that, that don't get the accolades and don't get the attention uh, that they deserve, and and that was one of the one of the uh, the mission drivers behind us developing World Food Championships, in that we believe, as uh, most Americans do, that hey, everyone should have a chance to compete. We all love to uh, aspirational opportunities. We all uh, love to eat, uh, and many of us love to cook. So why not mm-hmm. put something in place that would celebrate that? And for that reason, as long as people have won a golden ticket somehow. They they do that through online recipe contests. They do that through a local community cooking contest or some kind of national challenge. Then they can get a chance to enter into the World Food Championships and go for big money and big fame. Excellent, excellent. Now, Mike, where did you get the idea to have this competition? Or what, tell us a little bit about your background and your your background in culinary. Well, it was kind of a uh, evolutionary, uh, serendipitous moment. We we happened to first of all, I, I uh, have run a, a marketing firm for 27 years. Um, feels awkward saying that. Um, <laughs> uh-huh. It's been a great, uh, great career, great um, business to be in. Uh, and about 15 years ago, I got a a chance to really find a vertical niche that, that I've just fell in love with. Uh, I've always loved marketing, advertising, journalism, content development, et cetera. But we get an opportunity to be the agency of record for the Kansas City Barbecue Society. And in that time frame of 11, 12 years that we worked with them, um, we took them international. We helped them expand from 180-something events, events to over 500 events. And we learned a lot about competitive cooking, especially in the barbecue industry. Mm-hmm. Then we jumped over into the chili industry, and we, we realized that the chili heads were just as crazy and passionate as the barbecue pitmasters. And then we noticed that burger bashes were starting to pop up and sandwich slams were starting to pop up, and, and we thought, you know, there's something going on here, something very special happening with cooking and outdoors and events. And um, we were sitting around... Uh, in one of our numerous um, staff meetings and talking about it, and someone said, you know, there ought to be a Super Bowl for food. you got all these verticals. you got all these mm-hmm, right. certain 
events that say, well, we crown an uh, international barbecue champion, or we crown an international barbecue champion, or we crown an international barbecue champion. Um, we just felt like there was a better way to do it and that there was, a, there was an opening to do it. Um, no one had brought together the disciplines that we did when we kicked this thing off in 2012 at Caesars in Las Vegas. We brought seven categories into the mix, had 286 teams the very first year, came out of the woodworks. It surprised us. And we knew immediately we were on to something. We had no idea what we were doing. <laughs> but <laughs> we were trailblazing mm-hmm. a new strategy, and it was right. tough. You know, there were, there were things that we didn't know that we didn't know about running a tournament of food. Thankfully, many people on my staff were, were ex-sports athletes, and, and we were able to, to start quickly putting the field together and the rules together and the, and the policies and procedures and the out-of-bounds and the, uh, the time clocks and things of that nature that brought some, some parameters into play that, that made it um, not easy but easier to, to produce each year, and that was it. Uh, we we kicked it off in 2012, and and every single year uh, since then, we're now going into our eighth event, uh, and we are 100% focused on the World Food Championships now. Our, our marketing firm does very, very, very little outside of um, the food enterprise that we've built. Um, we get a little bit better, and it gets bigger. Every single year, it gets bigger with more teams from more places with more talent, and uh, it's exciting. So how many people would you say come to the World Food Championships every year, or what, how, what was the audience last year? So last year, we, we almost got to 30,000 uh, consumers. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think wow. we were uh, 26,000, 27,000 consumers with our best guesstimates. It, it, it's a myriad of ways to measure that. Um, and in probably our, our peak year in uh, third year in Las Vegas, you know, Metro City, uh, I think we had over 100,000 that year. However, it was, that was an unticketed scenario, and, it, and we were put right smack dab in the middle of Fremont Street, downtown Las Vegas, so there was a lot of people there that were just there, uh, right. not there for mm-hmm. us, right? So we've, once we moved out of Las Vegas, we started focusing on building our own crowd, we, we wanted to target foodies. We wanted to um, bring in passionate people who loved tasting food, judging food, cooking food. And uh, we've been in the, the twenty five to 30,000 range for the last three years in Orange Beach, Alabama. And uh, for that to occur in an off-peak uh, time of year for them in a community of about 7,000 people, uh, mm-hmm. That was pretty pretty good. Uh, we were we were happy with that. But but we've uh, as you know we've made a strategic decision to go back into a metro market, and uh, we've relocated now to Dallas, uh, Texas. And uh, the reason for that is we we think we're uh, ready for a major market with lots of media attention and lots of consumers and lots of foodies. So we expect um, this year we're preparing uh, for well over 100,000 people to attend uh, our event 
during the five days that we are active, and um, we're really excited about that. That's excellent, and I, I know that a lot of people that list, are listening to this, they might not have been there, and they don't know what it's like, but it's it's just this huge festival, but so well organized, but there's all this this amazing energy and you know, and I noticed the, the camaraderie, too, with, with the different teams supporting each other and helping each other out, and that was really nice to see. But um, I, I guess what I'm hearing from you is you, you decided to move because maybe Orange Beach just can't handle the amount of people that you expect to have next year. Is that right? Well, I, I think Orange Beach could handle it, um, but it's, it's kind of, um, you know, it's, it's a great, great community. It's not a, a big city, mm-hmm. and you have to... Uh, be on a mission to get there, and it's not easy to get there. You know, we we deal with a lot of companies uh, from New York and L.A. and and various other places, uh, even European um, competitors. And and for them to get to to Orange Beach, uh, they would have to fly into New York or into Dallas, and then from Dallas to Pensacola, and then from Pensacola drive 45 minutes. So logistically, it was a big challenge. And, right. Mm-hmm. Um, we probably reached our threshold of of consumer attendance uh, over the last couple of years there, and we just felt like uh, there's a, there's so much here. The, the passion that you mentioned, the the TV opportunities, the the brand ambassador opportunities. There's so much to the World Food Championships that we, to, to really allow it to find its place in the world. Um, we needed to put it in the right place. So operationally and logistically, the last three years have been incredibly important to be in a smaller community, to get our ship uh, going in the right direction, to tighten it up, uh, to make sure all the sails are attached correctly and that we're uh, efficiently uh, running the tournament uh, so that we can now drop that into a major city where we can turn our face toward the consumer interaction. And if you mm-hmm. remember, we we built ways for consumers to really walk into the kitchen. Uh, it, not mm-hmm. many people can, can say that or do that. We have 40 active champions cooking for the moment of their lives. And you can stand three feet away from them. Um, that was a pretty interesting development for us that we discovered that we could do in Orange Beach. And when we go to Dallas, we're opening it up even more. Um, we're going to have a spread offense, as I call it, uh, where we divide our kitchen arena into four pods, which means that you'll be able to stand on the outside and watch any single cook uh, from a very close range. So imagine being on the set of... of um, uh, America's Next Food Network star, right? Uh, and, yeah, and being able to walk three feet up to to where they are and see them cooking and chopping and slicing and dicing, you can do that at the World Food Championships. And I don't know of any other major event of this magnitude where you can do that. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, it's it's amazing. It's incredible. I love just walking through the the different competitions and just just being so up close and seeing exactly what they were doing. That was that was a really great experience for me. And I I encourage anybody who's interested in food or culinary competitions to go check it out because uh, it was just amazing. And I I just had a phenomenal experience. And I got to be a judge there. So. So that was a lot of fun for me. I got to judge the seafood category, which I love seafood. So what is your favorite category, Mike, if you had to pick one? It's like asking uh, which is your favorite child. Favorite child? Um, (laughs) um, Yeah. You know, I'm just a a huge fan of of excellent performance. Um, There's not a food category that we have that I don't like. Most of them I love. Whether it is a... Uh, St. Louis style or Kansas City style rack of perfectly cut uh, ribs, uh, or it is a hamburger that is immersed with uh, a whiskey or a bourbon and and pepper jack cheese and 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 candy bacon. I mean, there's just so many great dishes. Dessert and and seafood, I'll have to say, are usually um, the most colorful and um, varied categories. They they what we see there in those two categories just sometimes blows my mind away. It's hard for me to pick a favorite. I just I have tasted the best food in my life at the championship each year and, and many times it's out of a different category. Say that's a very diplomatic answer. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not running for office. I'm just trying to <laughs> legitimately say if if you if you like seafood then you're going to taste or see the best seafood in your life when you come to the World Food Championships. Uh, and I, I eat in a lot of great restaurants, too. So, But what these chefs can do, what these cooks can do, in restricted space with limited equipment, on a time clock, facing a deadline, and trying to become a champion, pretty phenomenal. Yeah, it really is because I remember hearing about the there's like a a lot of rules that go into what you can bring with you and and what ingredients can be measured out and and all of those things what they One of out. our um, biggest moments of the year is always in January uh when we announce uh the rules for the upcoming championship. And just like every other major sport, we we are constantly analyzing what's happening in the championship so that we can make rules that either prevent something that we believe is unfair or mm-hmm. to make things uh, more fair. So there, there's quite a few rules. At last count, I think there were 40, 50 rules. We, we take it very seriously. It needs to be taken seriously. There's a lot of money on the line. There's a lot of prestige on the line. Uh, a lot of these chefs and cooks go back to their communities and they use uh, their experience at the World Food Championships as a marketing element. We know that there's been dinners, special dinners created at restaurants that focus on dishes that were created at the World Food Championships, and they're always a sellout uh, um, audience. Uh, We know that um, media has interviewed our chefs, and and they've gotten a, a the inside of an athlete's mind because they talk about preparation and performance and executing. Perfect. Yeah, 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 that's great. And I 
you know, I am somebody who I love to eat, and I can cook okay, but I, like, I could not be competing at that level. That's just not me. But I loved being a judge. So talk a little bit, Mike, about, like, what it takes to be a judge and who, who would qualify to be a judge at the World Food Championships. Well, that's a great question because we – one of the things that we realized we had to do is, is create a, a judging process that is not only fair in a category like seafood where you have numerous dishes uh, and entree options. For example, you might have lobster on one, you might have mahi-mahi on another, and you may have um, uh, fish sticks on a third one. So how do you, how do you judge those things effectively and, and fairly? Um, well, we, we came out with the EAT methodology, uh, we think there's three components to every dish that, that can help you um, quantify and objectify uh, how that dish has, has been prepared. And those stand for uh, execution, appearance, and taste. Uh, so once we came out with that process and, and we applied it, we learned that that was a very fair way to do it. We, we are seeing that uh, home cooks have just as much advantage as a professional chef as long as they mm-hmm. execute uh, well. Uh, then we realized we had to uh, train judges, that we're going to need a lot of judges. We use a, a double-blind judging process, which means uh, we don't know uh, who cooked the, process, uh, cooked the dish, and each one of our judges don't know what the other judges um, scored the dish. So that means we have to have a judge per contestant, the way it works out mathematically. And uh, we had to have an army of judges. We conduct classes throughout the country. Uh, we have seven uh, professional ambassadors who host uh, classes, and um, we, we train people on the eight methodology. So once you do that, once you go through a, a two-and-a-half-hour, three-hour class and, and learn the do's and don'ts and, and the um, insights of, of our judging process, you get a gold card, and you get to uh, – show up or apply for a judging position at the World Food Championships and then also apply for a judging position at a lot of our feeder uh, competitions, or qualifiers uh, that, that produce uh, winners into the World Food Championships. Excellent. Yeah, so if you wanted to be a judge or somebody wanted to be a judge in Dallas later this year, should they be applying like right now? If they're already a certified judge, absolutely, although we haven't opened up our – I think we open our judging pro- portal on March 1st. I'd have to double-check that. But um, we are teaching classes in Dallas. Um, mm-hmm. We are teaching classes throughout the country on our website, worldfoodchampionships.com. Uh, you can go to um, uh, the judges tab and find a class that's near you, hopefully. And I think we have about 15 or 20 of them for this year. And we'll be doing one at Dallas this year in front of the competition. So like a Monday and Tuesday night prior to our Wednesday start, uh, we will be training new judges. And if we have um, uh, open spots for those judges to, to fill in, they'll have a chance to jump right into competition the next day. Perfect. Yeah, I learned a lot at the the, uh, the training for being a judge, and I love my shiny gold card that I got in the mail. <laughs> Don't leave so home cool. without it. Right? 
right? No, I have to, I'm a card-carrying member, and I put it in my wallet, and I have it with me. <laughs> it's pretty impressive. You know, I like pulling it out at at uh, family get-togethers or social get-togethers, and when people start talking about food, I always, I'm always able to, if they don't know what I do and who I am, I'm able to pull out a card and really impress them with, uh, the certification aspect of being a judge, and uh, it always generates great conversation. Yeah, it is very impressive, and I I took this great picture and I put it on my Instagram. I'm I'm really proud of it. So thank you, thank you. Yeah, so yeah, thank you for including me in that. Um, to give us a story from the competition, like a like a tight competition, or just like a winner that came out of nowhere, or or something that's happened in the last several years that you've had World Food Championships. Oh, my goodness. There's, there's so many good ones, and, and this is where sometimes I get choked up, so I'll try not to do that. Um, I want to mention a, a, uh, a seafood contestant whose name is Josie Lanzi out of mm-hmm. uh, Florida. Uh, when we, we were in Florida for one year as we were transitioning out of Vegas, um, and uh, she was, uh, uh, she's a Florida native, lives there, fishes daily, and, and uh, serves food, makes food um, from what she catches. And she had caught the bug uh, in Vegas where uh, she got to uh, walk on the stage and uh, I think she came in uh, fifth or sixth. She made the top ten in seafood one year. So when we announced we were moving to Florida, she just went nuts. She loved that we were coming to Florida and she just was was going wild about uh, her chances of redemption and and being on the stage again. Mm -hmm. Well, about April of that year, somewhere in that time frame, she had a sea-do accident, oh, and it was horrible. And um, our event was in November. She was told by the doctor that she may end up being a quadriplegic. And oh, she awesome. absolutely said, not going to happen. Mm-hmm. And she used World Food Championships as her motivation to rehab and ultimately walk on the stage because she was second in seafood that year, and is one of the most uh, touching moments uh, that we've seen in the championship because everybody knew Josie, everybody loved Josie, everybody knew her story. Uh, USA Today had done a, um, a story about her drive uh, to healing and, and competition because of the competition. And it's just one of those beautiful uh, life-touching moments that, that our championship has had an impact on. And... Um, you know, that's just one of, of probably a uh, hundred that I could repeat to you. Um, you know, we, we saw uh, one in our second championship, and I won't go into all the details of it, but long story short, a, a gentleman who, who, um, uh, who lost his father during the championship uh, and was with his mother, she was there helping him, he went on competing because he kept advancing in the tournament and kept having to change his flights home uh, for the funeral uh, mm-hmm. because he knew that's what his dad would want. And uh, he ended up becoming our champion in uh, 2013. So another just an incredible story that we never, ever expected to see. Uh, every year now, my favorite moment of the tournament is our welcome reception. Uh, it's on the first night of competition. We don't announce any results on the first day so that everyone can go to the to the welcome reception and be happy and know that they're still in the tournament. They haven't been knocked out yet. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And it is one of the most uh, touching moments of the week because 
you, you get to see people that feel like your brothers and sisters, even though you only see them one time a year. You mentioned that you know you you learn stuff every year as the as the World Food Championships take place, and I think one of the biggest changes that you're making is moving the final table away from the main event. Can you tell us a little bit about that and what your reasoning is behind that? Yes, uh, great question. When you've got $100,000 up for grabs and you've got 10 people competing for it, that in and of itself is a TV show. Uh, right. So, so when you say the final table, Mike, you mean that the, 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 the winners of each category then? Is that's that correct. For people who are listening who don't know. Yeah, that's correct. So, okay. so we run a five-day tournament, mm-hmm. uh, and we have 10 categories. And at, at the end of the fifth day, we have crowned a champion in every one of those categories. Who's the best of the best? Right. It's almost like Westminster Kennel Club. Uh, you go from best of breed to best of show. We made a strategic decision last year to move the final table away from the main event. And it was another extra two days that contestants had to navigate and had to prepare for it and that our staff had to to rally energy for. But one of the things that we noticed is that then the media interest around the final table was palpable because you had this $100,000 life-changing moment. These 10 champions who have just performed nothing short of a almost a miracle to beat out 39 other champions in in three challenges they're getting a shelf life of excitement that lasted about 36 hours mhm right and we didn't think that was ultimately the right thing for for them and for for the events and it gave us a chance to tell the story of each one of those 10 champions and then get their local communities excited about their chance now to go win $100,000 on top of the $10,000 that they had just won. Uh, we're about to have our, our final table this time in New Orleans. We are now turning our attention to uh, culinary destinations uh, where we can do the final table. So ultimately what I hope happens and what I think you'll see is that uh, we'll have a, a final table uh, L.A., a final table, mm-hmm. New York City, a final table, uh, Singapore, a final table, Paris. Uh, it, it will now be very, it's portable because you're, you're only dealing with 10 cooks. And of course, that's much yeah. easier to move and to operate than it is to move a competition where there's 500 teams, right? May 17th through the 19th will be in New Orleans, and uh, very soon we're putting out a... Um, an RFP for other cities to uh, to grab the 2020 version. Okay, can I come join you in New Orleans? Absolutely, that sounds really exciting. Would yeah. love to have you there. Absolutely, that would be great. I mean, that's so exciting. Hundred thousand dollars—that is just life changing. It really that is. is incredible. One of the great stories from our um, history is that one of our champions uh, came off the streets and uh, got pulled into culinary, and someone, a great mentor, pretty much saved his life by doing that. Uh, and he worked years and years in the culinary industry, worked his way all the way up to an executive chef and then to a, owning a, a restaurant, and he came to the World Food Championships and won. He went back home and he started a, um, a, a charity that uh, helps kids get off the streets and get into culinary. Oh, I and, love that. That's and he couldn't amazing. have done it you know, without, without winning that $100,000. So 
it's the thing that that drives me and my staff each day um, to get up to to apply ourselves as as best we can as as smart as we can uh, to this overall industry and and to keep building a bigger and better uh, world food championships and how big is your staff mike for the, the amount of work that you do you must have a pretty large staff well it's it's uh when you look at full time employees uh we've got about fifteen uh people who do the work of thirty um, mm-hmm. and then we have uh, an ambassador uh group of seven very professional well seasoned competitors um that are like independent contractors and then as the event uh unfolds, we have to hire about a hundred individuals to help us in various aspects and then we have about uh three or four hundred volunteers uh who help us each year at the event so we we kind of balloon up around uh the main event but uh day in day out we've got uh 22 people well you and your team do a fantastic job so it's a, it's a very well run competition so thank you you should give yourself a pat on the back Thank you for that, and I'll I'll share that with, with the staff. They will appreciate it. The last question I wanted to ask you is, this can be kind of polarizing. Um, Walmart is a huge sponsor of the World Food Championships, and you know, people there's some people have strong opinions about Walmart. Mm-hmm. When they said they wanted to be a sponsor, was there any thing that made you want to hold back with having them as a sponsor? Because you know, sometimes they they have a kind of a negative image sometimes in in the the press first of all i think um any company of the size of walmart is going to have detractors Mm -hmm. um but when when you consider how much uh food goes through walmart first of all they're they're the world's largest grocery retailer Uh and what it takes to to keep that food fresh you really get impressed with that organization when you open up the curtain. And when they invited me in to talk about this, one of the very first questions was, um, what is your vision for the World Food Championships and where do you want to take it and how can we help? It was one of the most selfless questions I've ever been asked by a major corporation. And let's face it, you know, Walmart has the ability to help you in tremendous ways. Uh, not just financially, but strategically. And I was just really impressed with their their thinking on food. They have a, a culinary innovation center that most people don't know about, uh, where they are constantly testing and, and um, uh, innovating in the food space. Mm-hmm. They have um, full-time chefs on staff who are constantly testing and tasting products that come into the ecosystem. They have a safety program uh, for food that is second to none. In fact, it it exceeds the parameters that we see many times out in the field uh, that cities and counties and states try to implement uh, for food safety. And, and then when you look at the chef and you look at all the great brands that are on the chef, I mean, sure, it may not be a Walmart brand, but mm-hmm. uh, whether it's a a Tabasco or a Tyson, um, you know, there there are just fantastic brands that are on those shelves. We thought it made sense. 
especially since we're dealing a lot with home cooks and we're dealing with chefs who are trying to get to the next level. Uh, we right. deal okay. with yeah. yeah we sense. we deal a lot uh, we deal some with uh, companies that are really high brow high end companies for example Wusthof knife is mm-hmm. their official right. knife those types of brands typically don't invest in something that is as broad as what we're doing is for example if you I'm not saying this on behalf of Wusthof but there are some uh, high-end brands that as soon as they find out we have home cooks, they're like, oh, well, that's not for me. Mm-hmm. You know, we, yeah. So you you don't always get to say, oh, well, that this company should sponsor our event and automatically, bingo, that company sponsors your event. That doesn't happen. You have to dance with the ones who want to dance with you, and we were very fortunate, um, in my opinion, that Walmart wanted to dance with us. I will tell you this. I'll end, end that on this. My ambassador council is so talented that, A, I'd put them up against any celebrity chef that you could ever name mm-hmm. in a challenge, number one. But number two, to each and every one of them, once they've learned more about Walmart and they've spent some time with Walmart and they've worked with the food that comes out of Walmart, even the Walmart-branded food, great value, market-side brands that they have, they come back to me and say, you know what, Mike, that's going on my shelf at home. I'm I'm going to stand behind that product. I'm going to use that product. I'm very impressed with um, with the quality of their product. So that tells me that a Walmart's doing a lot of things right, uh, and b that it was the right move for us to to partner with them. Yeah, absolutely. It sounds like they're really doing some wonderful things. I know we need to let you go. So. Tell people who want to find out more about World Food Championships, um, how they can do that, and how they can follow you on social media. Well, they can follow me um, on Instagram at uh, McLeod in the Cloud. Uh, they can follow me at Mike McLeod on, on Facebook. Um, World Food Championships uh, has a Twitter, a World Food Champ. Uh, we have Facebook. It is very active. Every single day we make a post. Uh, and, of course, our website, worldfoodchampionships.com, has a ton of information, whether you want to learn how to be a judge, learn how to compete, sign up, uh, be a sponsor, uh, plug into our ecosystem. Uh, there's plenty of avenues there to do it. Fantastic. And the World Food Championships are happening in Dallas. And what are the dates? It's in November? O- October 16th to the 20th. We moved it up in the year. Um, okay. Hopefully have a little bit better weather. Uh, and um, we're going to be right downtown Dallas at uh, the the Reunion Tower uh, property, which has a beautiful, iconic Skyball uh, rotating restaurant uh, by Wolfgang Puck, and uh, it has a six-acre lawn out front where we'll be activating uh, the tournament. Outstanding. Well, thank you, Mike, for taking the time to talk to us today about the World Championships. I appreciate it. Thank you. Okay, and everybody needs to go check out World Food Championships. It is truly the Super Bowl of food. Thanks again, Mike, and good luck to you. Thank you. Don't forget to subscribe to us on iTunes. See you on the next episode.